Welcome to Disruption Blueprint with Shannon Spotswood from RFG Advisory. In this podcast, we help advisors grow their net worth, build their businesses, and maximize their independence. We've built an award-winning platform with innovative technology, comprehensive service, and a team of individuals who are experts in their field to serve advisors. Join us for this journey where we explore everything that has to do with running an independent advisor practice as we bring together successful advisors, industry experts, and innovative minds who are on the bleeding edge to challenge the status quo, foster new ideas, and create a path for advisors to unleash their growth potential. Now, on to the show. Today on the podcast, we have Kelly Klingeman. She's an advisor in Austin, Texas, and on this feature of Disruption Blueprint, it's called Game Film with Dr. J. And so in this situation, we're going to look at either a client experience of hers as, since she's an advisor. She also started her business in the last few years, uh, her financial planning business, or we're going to talk about something in those business decisions, look back, reflect on that situation, and see where other advisors and other people can learn from that situation to be better in their career. So welcome, Kelly. Thanks. I'm excited to be here, Jordan. So the first thing, give a brief introduction of how you got into the industry, because I think you have a unique way that you jumped in and all of us, I think, fall into the industry in some form or fashion. So we'll start there. Yep. I guess when you ask that question, I think how I got into financial services, like before financial planning, since my background was in investment management and I wanted to go to law school, let's be clear. And, uh, my mom figured I should have a backup plan. Technically, my major and my undergrad major was political communications when I started. And my mom was like, well, what if you don't go to law school with that? And I was like, well, no, mom, I will definitely be going to law school. And she's like, well, why don't you rethink your major? Like get something that pick something that might be a better backup plan if you end up not going. And so I ended up transferring to the business school finance degree decided not to go to law school and wound up interning with this big investment management firm in Austin. And their entire investment philosophy was uh, based on academic research and science. And it just seemed, it just made a lot of sense to me. And I had a couple of professors who spoke very highly of the company that I was going to intern for. And that sort of got me hooked. And that's where I learned all about financial advisors, their business, being an independent advisor. And that sort of spiraled into working there for over a decade and then eventually wanting to become an advisor. So my clients were advisors while I worked in investment management and then having insight into their businesses and seeing how they operated, that was just very intriguing to me. And so that sort of got me hooked early on to want to be an advisor one day too. You got to see the good and the bad of uh, advisory practices. So you probably have so many good nuggets on that front. But <laughs> as we transitioned oh, yeah. into the the theme of game film, one of the, a question I always love to ask is uh, to kind of stay on the theme is if you were in a sports situation, which I believe you were an athlete, if I'm not mistaken, like what would be your come out song or that walkout song that would get you hype or get you in the zone to 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 be in the game. Yeah. Yeah. So I played volleyball uh, growing up, club volleyball, played varsity in in, uh, high school. And um, I was picking my song and I was asking my husband for help. And he was like, oh, you got to choose the the song that the Chicago Bulls come out to when they're getting ready to play a game, which is very funny that you are wearing (laughs) Chicago Bulls jersey. And I was like, no, 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 that doesn't really fit me. 
Um, the song I would pick is actually um, an M83 song. It's called okay. Outro. Have you ever heard this song before? I have not, but I, our engineer in here does know exactly what song <laughs> you're talking about. So sounds so, like what um, I need to know. Great song. You have to skip to about two minutes and 15 seconds into the song to really get to like the hype part. Um, funny enough, my sister actually walked down the aisle to this song when she got married last year, but I like helped her pick the song because I'm just, it's, it's amazing. You have to like turn it on the car with a good stereo system and just blast it once it gets to that two minute, 15 second mark. So yeah, I think that would be my song. And I imagine myself like, I play a lot of sand volleyball now. So I'd say that that's like my sport of choice these days and coming out to that song would be great. Nice. Yeah. I think it's interesting coming out down the the aisle. That's a pretty unique uh, way to go down the aisle, but Hey, if you, you've got to get focused, <laughs> you've got a, a big decision to make, why not be in the zone and, you know, be hyped up and ready. Exactly. Yeah. So the, the way oh, that that's a great like segue into, so that you have that positive mode when you're walking in. So I would love for you to go over a client situation. If you have a client situation, or if you want to talk about your business, because you have so many great facets that I think a lot of advisors could learn from. And so give us a rundown of either a client situation or in a business situation so that we can reflect on that one and and kind of dig into that. Mm-hmm. And when I was preparing and thinking of this question, I thought the thing that kept bubbling up was a series of different client situations that all sort of fell under the same theme of clients reaching out a bit frantically to me about a topic that we hadn't necessarily discussed yet and wanting to use me as a sounding board or a gut check for a major decision that they were possibly about to make. And um, these were meetings that happened on the fly. Um, I remember I did one of them. I just did a phone call in my car. I was pumping gas and I just like finished pumping gas. I hopped in the car. I called my client as uh, she was going to be purchasing a new car after going through a car accident, her car got totaled. Really like emotional situation coming off of that and then having to be forced to get a new car. And she was like at the dealership trying to haggle with the guy and wanted to like chat through it with me. And um, another situation is another client of mine, a client couple. They are considering buying a new house. And of course, with purchasing a new home, that you know, stuff can happen really quickly and right. you sort of need to be available to chat about it, especially if you're the realtor that's helping them like at the drop of a hat and just trying to be available in those situations when they were feeling really stressed out. Right. Um, I feel like my job as the advisor is, of course, I'm bringing them through a, a cadence of different topics and meetings that I had planned. Yeah. But I think also my job is to be fully available. Of course, you know, I've got a family, I've got things going on too. I'm not just neglecting that, but I think trying to be very, um, trying to free up time so that I have that availability when clients kind of feel like they're in a pinch and they need someone to talk to. And that person can be me. Whereas they didn't really have that person before. Most of my clients have never worked with an advisor before. And so I've gotten a lot of interesting feedback, like, wow, I'm just glad I can have someone to call or shoot an email to, to talk about these things when I didn't really have that sort of support in the past. So um, just this theme of being available and like the level of client service I want to provide within reason, of course, with tending to my own family too. Um, I felt 
But that's been really important to me as a business owner and sort of the the vibe I want to put out there for taking care of clients. No, and I think being present for your clients is an amazing thing. And I am curious if, was it something that's, has that always been something natural to you or was it, because I think that it's for our listeners to be aware, you are a CFP, you're very much into the weeds from, you know, how you got into that investment firm. You love the research and understanding like the nuts and bolts of all of the financial planning world, but you're also a registered life planner, which we actually took one of those pieces of the course together, which is how we met each other and how I learned your expertise and just learned how strong you were in that space. And so one thing I love on your website is you even have a process of like how it's going, how this relationship, how the engagement will go with the client. And mm-hmm. I think that's so valuable for a client. So they have the expectations because something just in the behavioral world, a lot of times people will choose a negative outcome over an uncertain outcome. So that uncertainty is just terrifying to us as humans. Mm-hmm. And so my question would be, um, being present for your, your clients, was that something that was like, how, how does that walk us through like that conversation? Because I honestly, in some situations, if anyone hasn't bought or purchased a car in the last few years, nothing against car salesmen, but it's a, it's a stressful experience <laughs> and talking to someone to bring you down and help you in that situation. Actually, one of my teammates, she just purchased a car and it was a whole nightmare for her. So Walk us through like how that conversation went with either the car situation or purchasing a home because both of those um, having a valuable sounding board is huge. Yeah, I'll I'll answer this a couple ways. I it sort of sounded like you were also asking um, maybe where where it comes from from either my RLP uh, right. background or also um, I can't I have a sales background in investment management, which I feel I always want to give credit to that first track of my career in investment management working for I worked for dimensional fund advisors. And the level of training that that team gave me to be good at client service and to want to be sort of very gracious with my what I could offer my clients at that particular time in my life was just extremely high. I mean, we were trained to get back to people within 24 hours, even if we didn't have the right answer to send some sort of reassuring note that we were working on it and have a lot of confidence in providing that sort of um, support. I think that had a lot of influence into what I brought into my business now. And then the background doing the registered life planning work and getting that designation, um, just understanding that money is super emotional. (laughs) And we bring up the car buying situation, especially my client coming off of going through a car accident and like her kid was in the car with her. Like it was already super stressful for the family. And now they're being forced to buy a new car, which sort of jumbles other financial goals that they were working on potentially. And, um, in the moment, just like being at the dealership and then having to consider a couple of different interest rates that they were being offered, a couple of different deals, and really not being able to see all the information that she wanted to see in that moment and feeling right. the pressure. And just her texting me and being like, hey, can we hop on a quick call to chat through this? And just trying to offer some like soothing, comforting words to be like, hey, yeah, these let's talk about this. Let me take a look at the interest rate situations. Let's um I can do a little bit of a deeper dive once I get back home. But 
giving her at least some quick information so, so that she felt confident in going ahead with a decision that she had essentially already made for the most right. part, but offering support and reassurance and um, helping to just like ground the situation in general was something that I was hoping to deliver. And it sort of seemed like that was the outcome once we got off the phone. And we actually got on the phone a couple more times just to keep talking through it because there was a lot of back and forth. And um, I was glad that I could be available to do that in the moment and um, not have other things taking up my time because I think it really helped them get through that situation more quickly. And her husband wasn't there. like She was handling it on her own that day. And it's I think it was just nice for her to have someone else to chat through the situation and make sure she was thinking through it correctly, which she was. I mean, she's like, everyone I work with is just like the smartest people ever. But I think all of us would like some sort of sounding board every now and then to help us make important decisions. I a hundred percent agree. And even I know there's many advisors and you, including one of them have been resources for me whenever I think of something, or I have a question about something that I reach out to a community of them. That sounding board is so valuable. There's so many good things that you mentioned there, and I'll start with the the first part of you know your background in the in the sale, investment management sales side. I think that a lot of advisors don't understand the valuable piece of just the following up with the client or keeping them updated on certain things. I mean, literally, I've, I've found working with some advisors that that follow up email after a meeting, things like that, like your cadence of just keeping them informed and, you know, the awareness that they're, you know, that you're on this, you're working on this or just a status check more or less. Mm-hmm. I think so many little touch points like that add so much value that is a forgotten piece in a lot of salespeople. Nothing against, I don't think sales is a, is a dirty word. Some people do, but I think in a lot of times the training in some of those situations are so valuable just overall for your career. You don't have to be an extroverted person or, You know, if you're an introverted person, I'm going to be terrible at sales. That's all completely uh, irrelevant in the situation because a lot of those things are just all around human behavior. So I love that piece that uh, about that engagement side. And a part that I even missed in the first uh, when you were talking about that scenario, the fact that she was in the car accident with her child and all of that, then trying to go and purchase a car where. So many times we see the purchase, the car is that's the strictly financial piece. If we sat that motions inside over, now she's got all that stress. She's having to think about all that happened again, the safety of my children, the safety of myself going through this alone. I think that's a huge point to make that so many people forget that there's all these emotions involved and Obviously, my lens on the industry is is behaviorally focused from my research, but also you have the training and expertise with your certification in understanding that world. You also have a natural gift in that ability, but just understanding that somebody needs that support and understanding that there's it's multi-layered. And I think that that's with every financial situation. A lot of advisors need to understand that, and you very much, as you explained the story, understood that when they come to you with that question, they're like, oh, I want to purchase this car. I got questions about interest rates. Well, really what's going on in your client's mind is like, I'm terrified. Is this car going to protect us? Because I just got in a car accident. I'm now without a car. And yes, we have Uber and things like that to get around. But if you uh, 
or is your car breaks down. I think that's like one of the most frustrating things in the world. You're like, yeah. Ugh, I have so much to do. This is the last thing I need to be dealing with or like exactly. a fender bender in traffic. So I think that that's a couple of huge points. And um, on the house side, tell us more about that situation, because I think that one's also very common where, I mean, you live in a city where buying a house is like so timely, like in the last few years, trying to buy a house in Austin, Texas, or just in Texas in general is like, if you don't have your, your best and final offer in the next 24 hours, like we're not even considering you. So tell us a little bit more about that client situation. Right. It's, it's, um, if anyone's familiar with the Austin home buying market, it's been crazy. We bought a home in 2020 when all like everything started picking up. And I felt like we were crazy to be trying that in that moment. But with this particular client situation, again, it's tied more to the like some emotional decisions that they were thinking through. They had their first child this year. They wanted to be growing their family. The home that they live in now is fine, but they know it's not going to be big enough for how they want to grow their family eventually. So they were trying to understand if they could reasonably afford a larger house in the same neighborhood that they already lived in. And I remember we just, we got on the we got on a phone call again to just talk through how they were feeling. And they really just wanted, I had shown them numbers and they really just wanted to feel more confident in the decision that they were making to possibly put an offer on this um, house that they were considering. And just offering them that reassurance, like, hey, we we talked about cash flow, we talked about other ways that we could make this work over the long term. We talked about refinancing options. And um, again, just hearing information I had provided them via email, hearing it again over the phone together on a joint call was just more reassuring to them. And it's funny how as much as I can type up in a nice fancy email, it, yeah. it's just maybe getting getting on a phone, getting on a Zoom call or getting on a phone call to offer like a last bit of reassurance to them when they're considering this big decision. And um, it's nice to provide that sort of support. Right. I wasn't really, I didn't really have any sort any um, client experience like this before because my prior work, my clients were financial advisors, so I have been very pleasantly surprised by. Um, the sort of, in a sense, like joy and fulfillment I have gotten out of interacting with clients through seemingly simple decisions. But at the same time, I know it's not simple for that family in particular. It's very emotional. It has a lot of weight. And we do a lot of work on the front end to understand what's important to my clients. And that's through the life planning work and uh, that sort of focus that I like to take with clients. So just knowing how important these decisions are to them and how heavy they weigh on their minds right. is, um, I feel very, uh, I feel it's a sort of generous that I get to go through that with them and have that experience when these are life-changing decisions a lot of time, like it was their forever, forever home that they were considering and just wanting to feel confident in making that offer before they finally sent the email to the realtor and move forward. I was glad that I could be there in that emotional moment and help them think through it. So a couple things that, uh, that came to light whenever you were going through that situation, it made me think one, the preparation on the front end of like going through the plan and talking like build actually building a plan or having that planning conversation 
is so foundational because now they have an idea of where's their range in buying the house and all that. And another thing too, that came to light, like that I think a lot of people, especially I hate to make things generational and younger and things like that, because I always, um, I mean, I'm here in a Jersey on a podcast. Like sometimes I know that you get, people will get stereotyped with younger generations and older, but the fact that like a phone call is just so powerful and I think that there was some great research actually from Y charts that talked about just the communication of and actually in that research, they show about the fact that so many clients leave their advisor not be, and this is not anything foundational that we haven't already heard as advisors in this space is a lot of times clients don't leave you because of poor returns or lack of a plan or anything of that sort. It's usually because of lack of communication. And that's so mm-hmm. foundational. And I think too, that it's so valuable that you have that ability to to give you a phone call in those situations. Of course, managing expectations that uh, 10 PM at, you know, or six o'clock, you know, dinner time with the family is probably off limits in most people. At least I know that would be for me. And I try (laughs) to push that and on my team as well. But the fact that in a situation they're handling something, or if it was already, you know, planned that, Hey, we're going to go do this on Saturday. Can you be available? Of course. And I think that yeah. that's a, a lost thing is just being able to talk on the phone because we all assume that it either has to be a zoom call or a big long email. But I yeah. think so many people find value of like, I just need someone to, to be that sounding board. I need you to talk me through this or talk me off this ledge or whatever it is so that you're yeah. not making a decision that's against where their values or vision on it. But I think there's some great, go ahead. Well, I had a comment on that because it reminds me of my longtime boss and mentor. When I worked at dimensional, he would always tell our team um, and he'll know if he listens to this, he knows he'll know I'm talking about him. He would always say phone first and email second, like, and we used a lot of Zoom, so we did a lot of video communication. So For sure. phone first also meant like, hey, maybe even try and set up a Zoom if they can, but just give them a call first before you send the email and see if you can catch them on the phone because communicating that way is so much more powerful than just sending the email. Agree. And then I think about how has that translated to my business now? Right. Like I don't want to have to do phone calls at, during dinner time. Like dinner is sacred. I, well, I want to hang out with my kids. The weekend is pretty sacred. But within business hours, I want my clients to know that I am really flexible and I can make things work if there is some sort of last minute situation where they'd like to chat with me. I have an online calendar. I, my clients are pretty well trained and know how to use that. But I always say, hey, if you can't find a time on there, shoot me an email or something or shoot me a text and we'll try and just figure something else out. Just ad hoc. We can do it. We don't have to schedule it using the calendar. Don't feel like, oh, well, she doesn't have availability based on her calendar. So I guess I can't talk to her. And I've had most clients um, ping me to try and schedule something that just sort of offline that wasn't available. And we try and work it out. With, again, within business hours, but I want them to know that I'm available even so that they can work through something that they feel stressed about in the moment, because I know that that sort of support is probably what they're going to remember about working with me, not necessarily this fancy write-up that I did or this nice Loom video that I sent them. I mean, I think they appreciate those things too, but they probably appreciate more 
the my ability to be available and to be supportive in like more dire, not necessarily dire situations, but just more intense situations where they're trying to think through something. Right. And those uh, stressful situations and actually like the on the behavioral side in times of duress or stress, we actually lose 13% of our IQ. And so like, I've used that joke as like, oh, I need, I need all the IQ that I, that I have for a decision, but it's a way to, to let the client feel comfortable and say, Hey, if you're in a stressful situation, you got a big purchase or something that we've talked about here or virtually or whatever, and you're in that moment and you're freaking out because you're like, wow, this is a lot of emotion. I mean, literally the last few years, I purchased a home in the last couple of years as well. It made the whole home buying process not fun, which should be a fun experience. It should be positive because you're like, oh, you're buying a place for your family and like memories and emotions, all those things. When you're stressed out about the financial piece, then the emotional piece goes negative instead of a positive. So um, I do love the fact that the phone call side of it, and I think there's just so much and that kind of circles back on, you know, the, the sales training side of it. I think that there's so much room for growth in our advisor community to just understand. And you mentioned loom videos too. I actually was going over a contract with an attorney one time and this attorney sent a loom video of why he made these changes. And I was like blown away because I was like an attorney using loom. And it made (laughs) so much more sense why he changed these clauses and the reasoning behind it. And that now that's something I push for internal things, advisors. I think that's another way because you hear, they hear your voice so they can understand the tone, all those nonverbal side of it. They see your face. I think there's just so much there in communication that mm-hmm. is, is just lost. And so um, very, uh, very big, big, big fan of that. Yeah. Yeah. And I think another fun thing is mentioning in both of those client situations that, um, you never mentioned anything about a heavy piece of technology or you had to use all this technology. I mean, Loom Video is somewhat a piece of technology, but the fact that that value that you gave to your clients is truly just being present for them, being that sounding board, the words you use and having that conversation in those times of stress. And I think that those, uh, and you can have positive or negative stress. And so they are positive experiences, but they're stressed about them. I think there's so much value there. And whenever advisors think that AI or any kind of technology is going to lose uh, or going to cause them to lose their job, I truly think that that's where the value is, is where mm-hmm. exactly what you did. And so yeah. as we're kind of uh, closing out on a few things, I do want you to mention, and this is, uh, I have one closing question for you, but before we get to that, I do want to um Something I'm very passionate about is that action intention gap. So figuring out like what we do as advisors and give clients this information or go over these things and then they leave and they actually never implement. There's tons of research around it. Um, the academic side's action intention gap. I've even had people calls it the advisor implementation gap, whatever fancy academic or nerdy phrase we want to use. Basically, it's we give great recommendations or we work really hard who are doing true real planning and then they don't do it. I think with your training and even like like I mentioned earlier, I love how you have that process and like the vision and all that. Can you just give us a little run through of like how you've, how your process works through that? Because I, you truly do planning. And I think there's a lot of value for other advisors to learn from you. 
Yeah, it was you mentioning that action intention gap was specifically why I only offer ongoing planning for clients. Like my service is one service. I only work with you if you're going to work with me ongoing because exactly what you mentioned, like I could give all these recommendations and all the studies show that clients take that, they go off and they don't actually act on the advice that I've given them. So um, from the start, I was like, I only want to work with people if they're going to allow me to hold them accountable and essentially project manage their financial life for them on an ongoing basis so that I can remind them of the things that we're working on and tie it back to, again, with the life planning focus, try to tie it back to uh, something that's going to motivate them to actually do the work. Right. Because, you know, having to go build a cash flow plan that Kelly taught me the system and I got to go look at my past transactions and pull all that together. Like, that's not fun. But if we start with creating this vision for a great life and aligning their money with what they truly value and getting them really excited. And I just did with this with a new client of mine. Um, they both they want to move to Portugal. That's like their big goal. And they just were so excited. Even after our first meeting, they had gone and done more research about this visa that they were trying to get. And they were just they came to the second meeting, which is about cash flow, really on a high and very excited. And they've already started like doing the work that they need to do around cash flow, which cannot be that fun. But we're trying to tie it back to like, well, this is the end goal. Like y'all want to be in Portugal in the next two to three years, right? Not in five to 10 years. So how do we make that happen faster? Um, I think my job is to get them to refocus on the bigger picture and not the little mundane tasks that I've asked them to do. And reminder that this bubbles up to something great that they're working towards rather than like, oh, this is super annoying that I need to go sign this thing here, get pull this over here for Kelly or all of that. Um, and I don't think that they would do it if they didn't have someone holding them accountable. Right. I just don't. We're busy. I mean, I am a planner and I have my own planner to help remind me to do the things that I need to do because I got a husband and kids and all this stuff We're going busy. on and right. busyness, super so busy. I've even been life plan, like gone through the life planning process and remember going through that training and having that experience and also fulfilling that goal because it, that motivation of it. And so we'll have to talk more about that because that was so foundational to me. And that's why I saw so much value in what you're doing with your clients. But do you call it, would you call it like their vision? Because I, I find there's so much, there's, it's so powerful. It's almost seems simplistic, but it's not easy that, that figuring out what motivates them is so powerful. It seems so simple. We're like, yeah, we know we need to motivate them, but you gotta, you gotta go through those two layers or whatever layers to find, would you call it like their vision or, um, yeah, that's well, going back to the life planner training, that's really what they, they talk about this vision, creating this vision for clients. I also, I love Carl Richards. I love his idea of creating a statement of financial purpose for clients. Like what is it? What is money's purpose in your life? I I like to weave that into the discussion around like what's important to them and to have that displayed very prominently using, I use right capital for financial planning software and my snapshot page is like their one page financial plan. It's this living, breathing thing and we're always updating it, but we always have um, like meaningful goals that they're working towards and their statement of financial purpose 
pretty prominent near the top so that when they log in, they're hopefully being reminded of like, oh yeah, when I click over to the task tab and have to do all these little things for Kelly, because she told me and she's reminding me to, like, this is the end goal. Like we're working toward these bigger things that are really exciting. So I like the the combination of those two. And I think I've seen so far it it is motivating to have clients actually do the work, like take on the advice that you've given them and implement it and put it into action. I love it. And I like that you have the, it's like some of the achievement goals that are smaller, like that are more, more system goals, either one. And you have, um, I've even heard people call it like their vision rallying cry. I love the financial purpose statement. I think that that's, that's such a great, Carl's good at coming up with those little, uh, those one liners that are great. Oh yeah. <laughs> um, and it's in the way that I've always pitched it to trying to with training advisors and coach advisors is you got to give them, I love that the motivation, or you got to give clients some kind of lens on why they're making these decisions and having it there when they log in as a, as a, a tech person as well, that I love it. I think that that's such a great thing. And that's, I'll, I'll, I'll stop it there. Well, um, I have one closing question that I want to ask you and Paul's from the client side. It could be, it could be an industry related, or it could be even more broad. I'm a big believer in anti-goals or anti-flow. So my research around like, what are the things that don't give you that motivation and don't give you flow experience? What are the things that you definitely, those goals that you don't want to do? Because sometimes it's really hard for clients to figure out. And I think that's even in some of the life planning that it's really hard for people to figure out what is their dream? What is their passion? What is their vision? What is all that? But sometimes it's easier to figure out what not to do to get you to what you actually want to do. So the question I have for you to close us out is what is the worst advice you have received? I think it has a lot to do. The worst advice I've ever received has a lot to do with how I wanted to create my business. I had a lot of people telling me what I should or shouldn't do when I was getting ready to launch. Like ways and kids, of- <laughs> you get all that advice. Everyone has unsolicited advice. Go ahead. Sorry. Oh, yes. Oh, and you you know my mother in law lives with me, so I get a I get a lot of that. But the good thing is, her and I fully agree on parenting, so it's actually we're a good team. But uh, I, I love her unsolicited advice. Um, But when it came to my business, um, I got this from family members who had no clue anything about the industry. I got this from people within the industry too. It was mainly about um, widening the net, being more things than I wanted to be, being all things to all people versus focusing on a very specific niche and type of person or client couple that I wanted to work with. And then even offering way more services than I wanted to offer, you know, one-time plans and hourly planning and all this stuff. And um, I kept trying to think of the end goal of what I wanted my business to be at its like prime state. And it didn't involve any of that. It was super narrowly focused. I offered one service and I was able to create this business that also molded really nicely with my life and raising young kids and wanting to do other things besides just work in my business. Um, So the worst advice was really about trying to offer more of myself rather than just focus in on something very specific and the very specific person that I wanted to serve. And I work with professional women and dual career couples. And it's usually where like the woman is the breadwinner more or less, or like both people in the couple are pretty evenly making like really great money and have this great career going. 
Um, they also tend to work more in like STEM fields, like finance and tech and um, engineering and those sorts of things. And um, I just didn't want to work with more people than that. I like that narrow focus. It's not even that narrow, honestly. I could probably go more narrow, but um, I'm glad that I ignored some of that early advice and just tried to trek forward with my original plan of, of being more narrow. Yeah. Yeah. I love it. And I think that's great. And you already kind of touched on it, but how could people find out? I love you mentioned your niche there, but uh, how can people find Kelly after this podcast? Yeah, I, I guess I'm pretty active on Instagram, which is so weird to say because all of my like personal stuff is private, but um, my Instagram is at KK financial planning. You can check me out there. I do a lot of just educational based things for um, people that follow me. And then my website is kkfp.co if you want to check that out there. Um, my, I feel like my website, since I don't have an office and I work with clients virtually, I've tried to make my website sort of that virtual office space. And um, hopefully it feels that way when you visit. You have a great website and you are a great follow. So I always recommend that to everyone. And thank you, Kelly, for joining us on Game Film today. Yeah, thanks for having me, Jordan. Thank you for listening to the Disruption Blueprint Podcast. Click the follow button to be notified when new episodes become available. Visit our website at www.rfgadvisory.com or schedule a call on our advisor resources page. And don't forget to click the follow button to be notified when new episodes become available. Content here is for illustrative purposes and general information only. It is not legal, tax, or individualized financial advice. Nor is it a recommendation to buy, sell, or hold any specific security or engage in any specific training strategy. Information here may be provided, in part, by third-party sources. These sources are generally deemed to be reliable. However, neither our guests nor RFG Advisory guarantee the accuracy of third-party sources. The views expressed here are those of our guest. They do not necessarily represent those of RFG Advisory, its employees, or its clients. This commentary should not be regarded as a description of advisory services provided by RFG Advisory or performance returns of any client. The views reflected in the commentary are subject to change at any time without notice. Securities offered by registered representatives of private client services, member FINRA SIPC. Advisory services offered by investment advisory representatives of RFG Advisory, LLC, RFG Advisory or RFG, a registered investment advisor. Private client services and RFG advisory are unaffiliated entities. Advisory services are only offered to clients or prospective clients where RFG advisory and its representatives are properly licensed or exempt from licensure. No advisory services may be rendered by RFG advisory unless a client agreement is in place. RFG advisory is an SEC-registered investment advisor. SEC registration does not constitute an endorsement of RFG by the Commission nor does it indicate that RFG or any associated investment advisory representative has attained a particular level of skill or ability.